Good morning, Sun Valley Church. Welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch, and across the way I have Pastor Rick Whitmer, who's back from vacation, down visiting his family. He's back. In the great woods. In the great woods. Of Sun River. Oh. Yeah. 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 How was your vacation? Um, It was good. Yeah? Yeah, it was really good. Um, However... There is a sense in which there were parts that got messed up by the smoke because it was really smoky um, yeah. part of the time. That's the thing. It's just so weird is because literally within a day, it'll go from green air quality to red to dark red yeah. and back to yellow. And you're just like, well, what? And when are purple. we going to swim? I don't know. There's a, there's a purple. There was a purple. The smoke really affected me um, at one point um, because I, I didn't. I was like, hey, it's not, it's only a light purple right now. And I really want to hop on this longboard. And I did after unpacking the car. And um, then I couldn't sleep till like 4 a.m. Just itchy and watery eyes. Turns out I caught my daughter's cold uh, from the week before. And it wasn't, I have I do not believe in any way, shape, or form that it was COVID because we had got her tested and it was yeah. not COVID. Yeah. So, um, but just was, yeah. So it was, Half of it was what we were planning. The other half was inside, but yeah, we were with family the whole time, and that was wonderful. Yeah, cool, man. It was pretty smoky up here at points, yeah. wasn't it, while I was gone? Yeah, on, uh, I think it was Friday, maybe, Thursday or Friday. Ugh. I looked at, like, the air quality of, like, the world. Yes. And Yakima was the second worst city <sighs> in the world. Yeah. And when I was down in Sun River Bend that first night, yeah, was the worst in the world. Wow. I looked at the world one also. So here's here's a tidbit. Um, the When you go on the weather app, the air quality monitor on the weather app that comes with your phone, or yeah. even weather, especially weather underground, is not reliable at all. Okay. Go to purpleair.com. They have individual sensors in people's homes that they, that they purchase and hook up to this global network all over the world. Really? And that's a lot more reliable. Also for Yakima, uh, yakimacleanair.org. Okay. Is uh, they had that's the one I trust the most. That's what you go with. That's what I go with. Well, it's often a hundred <laughs> points higher than the the weather app. <laughs> so if you're going with your weather app, yeah, on a day like today, you're not listening away. to this podcast because you are dead. <laughs> <laughs> but you shred on the longboard too. Uh, you sent me some video of of you. <laughs> you this is my some... dad's idea. He hops on his bike and he comes and finds me and he has a strap and he's like, Jim, I'm going to tow you. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So you got, you know, 60, 60 year old, 61 year old. Yeah. No, he's 60. He's, I hope he doesn't listen to this. He's 60 year old man and his, you know, Your dad's a legend, 36 year old son just shredding it on a bike and a longboard. He's a legend. Well, he I is have, a legend. I have to tell a story of when when I was down in Sun. So, um, Katie and I and, and and the family went down for Sun River or to Sun River for an anniversary, our four or five year anniversary. I can't remember. And we were riding on some bikes, and I had had the kids towing in one of those kid things, and we're riding, and, and all of a sudden I hear this on your right. I'm like, oh, okay, so I pull over kind of to the left and. This guy flies by us. He's like, thank you, and keeps going. Turns out it was your dad. <laughs> he was cruising, man. 
And how'd you know it was my dad? Well, because I kind of like, I turned my head and I looked back as he was going past us. I was like, man, that really looks like Rick. Yeah. That's how you know. <laughs> yeah. We look so much alike. And then, then I texted you and I was like, hey, what, what was why your dad? Why are you in Sun River? Yeah. And why is your hair gray? Yeah. I thought it was just your beard. Yeah, exactly. And then it Where we were your glasses? It was, it was your dad. So He is. He's a legend. Yeah. So, yeah. I hope he's listening to this. He will. Yeah. He likes, he wants me to send these to him. Yeah. He goes, he listens to him on bike rides. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. Well, <laughs> enough about you. Enough he's been about super busy. No, he's, he is, he's one of the, he is my hero. Yeah. I mean that. He was the best man in my wedding. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah he's a great guy. Great guy. Well, today, Rick, we're going to be talking about um, kind of all the chaos that's, taking place which chaos because there's a whole lot we got smoke we got things happening here in washington hey there's smoke in the book of revelation there is maybe maybe that's where we are yeah kind of feels like it with all the chaos that's that's and the smoke taking place well there's smoke in revelation mainly mainly the smoke therefore mainly the smoke this is it yeah this is it (laughs) um no, we but. didn't start the fire. The world's been burning since the forest policies got really bad. <laughs> At least I didn't have it on my phone. I did not anticipate that. <laughs> but uh, Rick, we've—I think most of us have been watching the news uh, lately, and we've been seeing stuff out of Afghanistan that that is is troubling. Right, we've seen we've seen young men's bodies attached to to C-17s flying through the air. Mm. Um, you know, bodies falling from the sky. We've seen mothers passing their babies over barbed wire fences. Um, you know, thousands. Yeah, I heard of, that some of those babies didn't make it over the barbed wire. Yeah, just got thrown into it. Jeez, that's what I heard this morning yeah. or yesterday. So there's there's absolute chaos taking place. Um, in Afghanistan right now. Um, how do we think through what's taking place there and really all over the world, but, but mainly right now in Afghanistan, how do we, how do we think about those things? Um, and what Dr. Todd Miles talked about this Sunday, this transcendent and imminent God, um, how do we, how do we process the chaos and yet this sovereign and good and gracious God. How do we think through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there are there are multiple levels um that we're that we're thinking through it on. Right? There there's a level of how do we think through our role in what's going on as a nation, yeah. which is one conversation and an important one, but but not the most important one. Not by a long shot. Mm. The most important one is the one that you're getting at, which is as believers who know the God who is good, the God who's sovereign, where, you know, that's where the Psalms really take together um, the theology that spans Genesis to Revelation, and it distills it down with with the human um, human emotion the very human response to all these things in a way that doesn't hide the ugliness of it, the severity of it, the anguish of it. Yeah. 
and deals with it with theological precision in a way that that hits all of that, which is, I immediately thought of Psalm 46, Hmm. the psalm that Martin Luther um, was the basis for writing um, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And also, Jen was just telling me a couple days ago about a church in Afghanistan that as they met on Sunday morning, they were in the middle of singing A Mighty Fortress is Our God, which is, again, based on Psalm 46, when one of the church members walked up to the pastor and whispered in his ear that president had just left the country, the Taliban had just taken over. Literally, that news was being given to that pastor the while they were singing the fourth verse. Hmm. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also, the body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Hmm. So Psalm 46, I'm going to just read it because it's short enough to where, and this is going to, this is almost, I'm almost going to not even need to make any comments about it because of how clearly it speaks into how to think through things like the fall of Afghanistan to terrorism. Okay. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam. Though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Selah. Mm. What are we seeing now if we're not seeing kingdoms rage, nations raging, kingdoms tottering? That's, that is literally what we're witnessing. When we're witnessing what we are in, in places like Venezuela, which during COVID hit the peak of how socialism's policies played out in total national um, unrest, food shortages, mm. lack of medical supplies, because that's what socialism does, um, riots, cube i mean everywhere right there are nations raging and kingdoms tottering Mm -hmm. and yet in the midst of it in the midst of afghanistan it says god is a very present help in trouble for his people he is a very present help he's not just present he's very present and so that's the that's the nearness of god that the imminence that dr miles was talking about on sunday it is an awesome it's a great sermon but then what do you also have? You all, you have God saying, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. God is transcendent. Yeah. He is He is great. And this, this story, with all of the tottering and the raging and the disorder and the chaos, um, and there's quite a bit of it happening here. Yeah. Not, not like it's happening there. Sure. Not like it's happening in Australia. Sure. But when you have children being muzzled 
just in order to go get an education all day, breathing in their own filth that, the, that their bodies are meant to exhale. When you've got um, vaccine mandates and the, and the stripping of bodily autonomy for free image bearers of God in order for people to even put food on the table for their families. It's some tottering happening here too. Yeah. And in the midst of that, God will be exalted. That's heading toward a very clear end. And that is Jesus is King. Yeah. Jesus is King. Yeah. And those are the truths that we anchor to when it doesn't make sense. You know, and that's actually kind of how the whole Psalter opens up in Psalm two. Um, why do the nations rage in the, the, the people's plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves against the Lord and his anointed. Mm-hmm. But what does God do? Do you remember what he does in Psalm 2? He laughs. He laughs. He laughs. He says, I've set my king on Zion, on the holy hill. Yeah. And so what's the conclusion? Be warned, kings of the earth. Be warned, Taliban. Be warned, governors of states and presidents. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry mm-hmm. and you perish. Mm-hmm. There is one king, and he does not share power. Mm-hmm. And he is good. <laughs> he is good. Yeah. And he is always good to his people. Yeah. And so when his people are going through the thick of it, they know our king is in control, and he is good. He does not tell us all the plans, and he doesn't need to, though it would be we would like that. But we know that whatever else is happening, he hasn't stopped being good. He hasn't stopped loving us. And he hasn't stopped using all of his sovereign power to bring this thing for our good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's, a, that's a, an important point for us, too, because I think we can get focused on all the chaos that's in, taking place and lose sight of, of that reality, that Christ is king and that he is good and that he is in control and we and we can focus over here in in the miry bog of depression and chaos and and death and all these different things um, and we can become afraid and depressed and all these different things that that don't help us in these scenarios yeah you know i, I think oh, yeah think about think about peter right when he when he takes his focus off christ and focuses on the waves you know that's it's a great example of, of what happens with us when we when we take our focus off of Christ and start focusing on the waves. Our, we start to sink. Yeah, right? <laughs> into depression. Totally. Into fear and all these different things. Yep. Um, That's what actually turning our eyes off of Christ does. Yeah. It provokes anxiety. Yeah. yeah, so I think that's that's a, an important and great reminder that we have to remember that Christ is king and that he is in control yes. and that he is good and that he's he's bringing all of this to a conclusion. We don't know when. And yeah. But there is a conclusion that will take place. Right. And he will be victorious. And what happens when a king conquers? What usually does that entail? He wins. Well, he wins. <laughs> and what happens along the way? Usually a lot of blood is shed, Yeah. right? Yeah. Jesus is conquering. He's the conquering king. And there are nations. There is a world full of nations in rebellion against him. Yeah. That means that there's a lot of blood going to be shed. Yeah. And that that usually isn't pleasant. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So 
those two things, we need to realize that, is that um, nations raging is what rebels do on their way to defeat. Yep. Yeah. So this isn't outside the plan. This does not, this is not for one nanosecond um, challenge the lordship of the king who we serve, whose kingdom we are citizens of. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So, um, Afghanistan obviously is, is, seems to be falling apart, but also Haiti is, is in disarray right now. You know, a few months back, their president was murdered and now they've just experienced another earthquake, um, that has killed over 2000 people. Um, and then a hurricane coming. Yeah. Right after that. Yeah. (laughs) So they're, they're being put through the ringer and I, I'm pretty sure there's like a gang leader who's running the nation, right? Or something yeah. like, like it's, it, whenever your president gets, you know, assassinated, it, <laughs> typically someone maybe less legitimate is behind it. Yeah. So that, that nation obviously is in utter chaos too. How does, how does God's goodness fall into all that's transpiring in in Haiti, I mean, where where does God's goodness play into that? Because I think most people would look at that who are not believers and would say, "Well, how can God be good if all of this is taking place?" <clears throat> so when you, um, I used to do some, I used to do rock climbing, not not a ton and not extreme, right? But enough to know that when you're scaling places that are high enough. Um, you you set anchors along the way, mm-hmm. right? So, and what's the function of an anchor when you're going up a mountain? To hold you from falling down, right? And you and you set an anchor every so often, so that if you fall, you never your rope never falls further than the last anchor. Mm-hmm. We have certain truths in the Christian life that are like anchors on this mountain. And if at the top of the mountain, we have the celestial city, you know, a la Pilgrim's Progress, Mm -hmm. and we're heading there, um, no matter how much the mountain shakes, and no matter how far we fall, we're never going to fall below certain anchors. One of those anchors is God is good. And so it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Um, I mean, all of this is important, and all of this has a major impact and, and is major shaking. We're talking, you know, Psalm 46, the earth shakes, the the, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, mm-hmm. okay? And yet, that anchor, God is good, never moves, and we'll never fall below that. And that doesn't matter how much we can't see to the other side of the tunnel. If we can't see the light, that doesn't mean the light's not there. Mm. And that light includes God is good right now. Okay, those are just the facts of the matter. And if we don't believe scripture, if we're somehow replacing scripture with our experience, then that won't be true for us. It will still be true, but we won't, we won't have that, the weight of it. Mm-hmm. But there are, you know, church history is full of 2000 years of, and then, you know, the history of God's people since Abraham, mm-hmm. since Noah, since Adam, 
when God made that promise in Genesis 3.15 is, is full of 6,000 years, really, let's go back, of people knowing that even though we have no clue how this could possibly end well, God is good. And so Habakkuk really is a book um, that I think explores that. He, you know, because the prophet sees the wickedness of his own people, and he... Uh, and he and he's complaining about it to the Lord. Yeah. Your people, Judah, they're they're really wicked, and God says, "I know." So I'm sending Babylon to judge them. And yeah. Habakkuk does a double take, and he's like, <laughs> "They're worse. Yeah. They're yeah. even more wicked. Yeah. We sending more wicked to judge the wicked. Who are your people? <laughs> right?" And the prophet can't get his head around this. Yeah. And and in chapter two. The Lord says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and what was the vision? Babylon's going to fall for their own sins. Mm-hmm. That day is coming. And it did come, you know, just under 100 years after Habakkuk was, was wrestling through this, mm-hmm. about 80 years after. But Habakkuk probably didn't live to see it. And yet it was there, it was written down in Scripture, and it was sure, this is going to happen. We know the end. It's going to happen. It's just something that can be really hard to hold on to and feel the weight of it in the moments, especially if you're in Haiti, in Afghanistan. It usually takes a lot less than what's going on there to mess up my day, personally. right. Those are things we have to return to. Right. Yeah. And so at the end of Habakkuk, this is really one of those, another anchor anchor passage that people would probably do a good job um, getting back to often. Habakkuk, and this is the conclusion of that book. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. In other words, the economy collapsed, the stock market has gone broke, or bust, or whatever it does. Uh, it's tanked, and we, we lost all our retirement savings, whatever. Yet, that's what because that's what that's talking about. When there's nothing going on in the fields and the herds cut off, you've got nothing back then. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord... I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. Okay? And I think that's what we do. I think that's what we have to do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you just end up in despair. Yeah. And what I just said, this is not wishful thinking. That's just truth. Yeah. yeah. So, how do we... I guess, how do we... How do we um, pray for our brothers and sisters who are suffering in Afghanistan for our brothers and sisters in Haiti who are going through all the turmoil that's taking place there. I think it's easy for us to, as American Christians in our, in our self-centered, um, um, world that we live in or our country, I guess we're very self-centered that we can't get beyond our borders to think through, you know, our brothers in, in Afghanistan and our sisters in, in Haiti. How, how do we, I guess, how do we break that barrier first um, to see beyond ourselves? And then how do we, how do we pray for these, these Christians that are, that are suffering? Do you, do you mind if I ask, put you on the spot and ask, like, what are some of the things you've been praying for them? 
well, I think safety. Yeah. First and foremost, Mm -hmm. um, safety from the Taliban. Um, and that I think faithfulness in the midst of persecution is, is another one, you know, as persecution comes and it's coming, uh, if not already taking place now, um, that they would stand firm and be faithful, um, in the midst of, in the midst of that. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great prayers. And you know what is interesting is they're specific. And here's, here's where I'm going with this. I, sometimes we fall into this really pious sounding trap that's actually not all that biblical. And the trap is we couch our prayers in enough caveats to where we don't know if they're answered or not. Yeah. And it sounds like this. God, if you want to, or if it's your will, please deliver your people. Yeah. Please keep them safe. Yeah. If it's your will. And what we mean is, um, like I don't, the, the intention is good, right? Because we we want to submit to God's sovereignty. And we know that in his sovereignty, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Yeah. Because Just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean that I can't lose everything I've saved for, that I'm not going to be, you know, losing my job, or that I'm not going to be very ill or even tortured for my faith. Yeah. So we don't have those promises of earthly protection. We don't. But we do have the promise that all that this world can do to us is kill us, hurt us and kill us. They can't touch our souls. They can't touch our eternal security. And yet along the way, like we see in in the book of 3 John, he says to his friend, um, I pray that it may go well with you in your soul or in your body as it does with your soul. John is specifically praying for good health for Gaius. Mm. I think it's Gaius. And when Jesus tells the parable of the persistent widow, she keeps going to that judge, asking for something very specific. Give me justice against my adversary. She's not saying, judge, if it would please you, please consider giving me justice. She wants justice. Mm -hmm. And she brings it to the... And that's the model that Jesus gives us for... This is, you, you be praying persistently. Mm-hmm. One of the most impactful sermons I've ever heard was actually one that um, Doug Wilson preached a cu- um, last year on persistent prayer. And kind of the, what the main point was, most of the, t- God invites us to get it wrong most of the time. Meaning, pray specifically, hmm. pray persistently. And when it doesn't happen, realize God said no. Now, of course, his word boxes us in. Like, we, we should never be praying for something that God's word forbids. Right. Please, you know, please, <laughs> please help me to make a killing at the gambling table. No, you shouldn't yeah. be gambling. Stop. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about recreational, like, hey, we're going to spend 20 bucks tonight on the slot machines, you know, instead of going to the movies. And we've, we're going to cut it off there. I'm not talking about recreational entertainment. I'm not talking about that. Yeah. You know, I'm just using an example out of thin air. Um, but we should be praying specifically, and we should be praying for deliverance, and we should be, yes, trusting God's sovereignty, but also you don't need to doctor it up. Yeah. 
I want to pray for deliverance for those people. I want God to keep them safe. I want them to persevere in their faith, to have wisdom, how to avoid um, Taliban, the Taliban. I want to pray for judgment on the Taliban, swift, decisive judgment. I want to pray for the Taliban's repentance and conversion. I want to pray that our government would stop being boneheaded and immoral. But we got ourselves and that country into that mess. Mm -hmm. Now, whether we should have to the degree that we did or not, that's a different story. But we did, and we stayed. And that brings with it moral obligations. And we are shirking those obligations. And it is not pleasing to the Lord. So I want to pray for our government to repent. Mm. We should be praying those things boldly without apology. Because those are the kind of prayers that we see in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we need to be praying Psalm 116. Um, this, and this is, I just, in the morning psalm cycle, uh, the monthly psalm cycle, this is the psalm that, one of the psalms this morning. These are the things that God invites his saints to pray. Um, Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. We want to pray that the Lord would deal bountifully with the church in Afghanistan because it's facing martyrdom. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I mean, truly, all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. Afghan children have never known anything other than a time of peace. Mm-hmm. relatively because our government's been over there for two generations yeah. keeping that peace yeah. and now they're facing all of a sudden Christian kids in the Christian youth groups in Afghanistan are facing martyrdom mm-hmm. when they have only known relative peace mm-hmm. I mean, let's put ourselves in their shoes and what would we be praying in those situations right. I often find myself the more that things are unraveling around the world. And it seems to me like they're unraveling more and more um, and more quickly. Mm-hmm. And that may just be because, I don't know, I, had, I wasn't paying attention 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But yeah, yeah, right. I certainly am over the past 10, 11, 12 years, 14 years, and it just seems like things are getting pretty crazy. And more and more, I just am muttering this prayer, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Mm-hmm. I don't even know sometimes what to pray, but it's in those moments when the Spirit intercedes hmm. and supplies our prayers with what's lacking. Hmm. Hmm. So those are just some reflections on prayer for how we pray in times like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think those are those are good thoughts, good reminders that Christ is King. He's in control. He's good. Um that our brothers and sisters are are suffering and that we need to be praying for them and praying specifically yeah. for them. Yeah. Because um, the Lord said that he, he, he will respond, right? Uh, whether that be taking them out of that situation um, for their safety or bringing them home to glory, um, the Lord will respond. He will. <laughs> um, so... I think that's that's a great reminder to to be bold, to be persistent, uh, to pray specifically um, for our brothers and sisters. 
because I think it's again I think it's easy for us to get consumed with all the chaos that's taking place here and and, and we should be concerned and, and well aware of everything that's taking place here but I think we can get bogged down and, and forget what people are, are going through around us mm-hmm. um, and one of the most things that we need to do the most is use the news as a prayer guide yeah yeah. And that's one of the easiest things to forget to do. Yeah. But I just read last night um, a, a paper by J.C. Ryle on prayer. And he said what I've said many times, and I'm grateful that he did because it really affirmed me. Um, no. <laughs> but as a pastor, writing as a pastor, and he said more than anything else, literally anything else, prayer is the most pressing issue for a believer. Bible reading without prayer, going to corporate worship without prayer, baptism in the Lord's Supper without prayer. Mm-hmm. These are the things that are most dangerous because um, prayer is our communion with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And if we're consuming news and we have more access to more news more quickly than any point in human history, and that's a blessing to us. Let's not forget that the technology is a blessing. Yeah, It can also be, a we can curse ourselves with it right. because we, it blocks the glory of the Lord. Yeah. So as you consume the day, and I think Christians have, have an obligation to be informed about the world around us. Yeah. This is my father's world. Okay. So let me ne'er forget, <laughs> you know, as the hymn goes. So we need to know what is going on in our father's world. Yeah. The world over which Jesus is king. Yeah. But do it with prayer. Yeah. Because the moment, like, I think if I could only impress one exhortation for the rest of my ministry, however long God ordains that that is on our people. If I can only say one thing, it would be pray. Hmm. And that's an exhortation to me as much as to anybody. But we are never more in our Christian lives than we are with our Father in secret. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's a good exhortation. Well done. I, um, you're, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it is like the most unoriginal thing I've ever said. No, but it's good. And it would be better it's... if I did it as much as I exhort it. Well, JC, JC, because I call him JC, um, <laughs> reminded you. I call him John Charles. Yeah. In which you reminded us. So that's good. Honestly, though, the book Practical Religion, yeah. the chapter titled Prayer, if I could only print off and give to anybody one chapter from one book from any Christian writing other than scripture. I think it'd probably be that chapter. Really? Mm-hmm. I'll have to check it out. I'll have to check it out. Banner of truth. JC, man. <sighs> Woo! Bring in the fire. Bring in the fire. But <laughs> he didn't start the fire. <laughs> We better stop before it gets out of hand. I'm going to get my phone. Quick, stop this quick. (laughs) Church, we love you. Uh, We hope this was encouraging to you. And that, uh, yeah, we look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of Valley. I'm going to get out of here before Rick hits play.